Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com str. somehow ended up listening to the stuff that's real that you didn't know was real but also is cool podcast or sturdy dick were bayek or uh never mind all right folks well that's a wrap of the intro anyway um <laughs> trick you you thought you could get out of here with just listening to like, 10 this seconds is the easiest show I've done so far. <laughs> but uh, but you are mistaken because we are just getting started. Uh, thanks for listening. We are uh, coming back at you again with some things that are real. Some stuff you might say that's real. Some stuff that you might say that's uh, cool as well. Uh, you that might. you may not know. Might not know. May not know that you might not know is real or cool. You did not know that was real. But you are... You're about to know that they are. Uh, these are <laughs> these are stuffs that are real and cool, uh, that either exist in our world or theoretically exist in our universe or have existed in our past. Those are the kind of types of things we cover here on stuff that's real, and uh, it's all for one purpose: to make you less dumb. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. This is <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that we research every day. This is the kind of stuff yeah. that we dig through. Uh, Kevin, uh, our our other host here, and I um, are authors, and we love this stuff we love doing this kind of research because it is fodder for our fiction as we say fiction how fodder. are you today fiction fodder. I'm, how, I'm you, how are you doing i'm today, good Kevin? man i wonder if anybody can pick up on the fact that both of us are like dragging our butts right now like nobody knows <laughs> nobody, nobody knows no bad you weren't supposed to out I'm us now, now they're gonna be more caffeine as we speak so. no one can hear the lethargy in my voice <laughs> i am good man i am uh you know there's a whole lot going on you we're both you and i both are in this like stage of multi moves yes multi relocations uh which isn't so unusual for me with the whole van life thing but um there's been stuff stacked on top of that lately so it's a lot of work you need to change your uh, your hashtag to house life hashtag um well I, we, we don't have the house yet so. in-laws house house life yeah in-laws house <laughs> life for for the next like <laughs> 5 days and then Back and to hashtag van life, yeah. Kicking you out again. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, I, let's see. I think we um, we've got some things here to to jump into. But do you do you want to lead us off today? Oh, sure. It's something really cool. And, I can't. And I have a story that is not out of this world, but is in fact in this world. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I'm intrigued. You've heard this. Um, <laughs> This was all published very recently, like back in uh, mid mid April, um, and that is that the Pentagon has confirmed uh, UFOs, pyramid shaped UFOs, uh, that appeared uh, flying near naval vessels in 2019. Do you know this whole story? 
not the whole story. I did hear this. This was sort of like in the middle of the the, the COVID is going to take over the world and kill us all yeah. news. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was just sort of shoved in at the end of one of these. They were like, oh, b- by the way, before we go here, uh, there are UFOs and it's been confirmed by the Pentagon. All right. See you tomorrow. Yeah. It was kind of how, how it was hey, While everybody's distracted by this whole virus thing, uh, there are there's alien life among us. Uh, yeah. So that's. That was a, the whole incident took place in July, 2019. And uh, so there are several videos. I don't know, is that coming from my side, that noise? Uh, It's definitely coming from your side. Somebody is drilling a hole through into your bunker. So they're replacing the air conditioner in this house. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I snuck off into this room so that there wouldn't be random noises and looks like uh, I get some anyway. But anyway, sounds like uh, they they waited until that you got to where you were going to be before they decided where they were going to put the new air conditioner. Not not a peep out of these guys uh, the whole time I've been in here, by the way. (laughs) Not a single sound. Um, Maybe that's the UFOs. Uh, So... The first video that surfaced and that was confirmed by the, uh, the Pentagon, uh, it's, it showed a pyramid-shaped craft uh, reportedly hovering 700 feet over the tail of the Russell, which is the, the USS Russell, uh, which is the naval vessel. So, uh, And they, they track this thing like they have you know about a little less than 20 seconds worth of video of it, uh, but it's not the only one. And what we're being told is there's more to come. So there are more videos that are about to be released, and the Pentagon is going to release an in, like this entire archive of confirmed UFO sightings. Now, what's interesting about this is just because it's a UFO does not not intrinsically mean that it's alien life. Uh, that's the first place we're all going to rush to. But but, but we know it's aliens. We know it's we aliens. know it's aliens. But we all so know the the <laughs> the interesting thing like a lot of stuff has come up because of this story, right? So number one is so the big claim really is that regardless of whether it's aliens or not, the whole thing represents a failure of our intelligence network. And because if it does happen to be uh, Earth-based technology, there's a there's quite a bit happening here. One, these things move and function in a way that we didn't think is, was possible for technology within our atmosphere. So. You know, they sudden stops, you know, midair hovering, a sudden uh, acceleration, sudden deceleration, you know, all things that there are a lot of this, uh, these things that should be impossible according to the laws of physics as we know them. So either this is an alien technology, meaning it could be, uh, you know, beings from another planet or beings from another reality, even uh, a side real universe of some kind or a different dimension, I guess you could say. Um, Although that's misleading, dimension is not a good good. That's not a good synonym for alternate reality, by the way. Um, but <laughs> the uh, it could be that, or if it is Earth based technology, what it means is we failed to keep track of somebody out there. So the Russians or the Chinese or somebody snuck one under the radar, literally, um, and has technology that we cannot currently match. So that's problematic all around. So there's. This, this footage, by the way, it's been analyzed by like filmmakers and special effects artists uh, just to see if they could determine whether it was faked. Uh, but it has been confirmed by the Pentagon itself and their experts. So it's just the uh, just amazing how this is, you know, this is just like one more thing to come out of 2020 is the, the existence of UFOs. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think that the, the usual um, typical MO or TAC of the, at least the U.S. government is the one I'm most intimately familiar with, um, has been has been to just violently deny anything yeah. uh, that that might be seen as different or strange or confusing or scary um, or interesting, you know, in this yeah. case. And so I think that's that's what's most surprising to me about the story is not that. Hey, there's stuff in the sky we don't recognize, but that's that's kind of the story of UFOs from the beginning. And a lot of times, right. yeah, sure they're debunked or this or that, or we just assume there's some sort of government um, thing. And that's usually what they'll say. They don't worry, we were doing testing over there. That's you know, just don't worry about what that is. Everybody look it was, away. It was a weather balloon. Yeah, or just just basically, you know, f- um, <clears throat> faint, faint, faintly uh, denying, or, or I, I should say, basically barely admitting that. Um, that that's that's what exactly what it is is it's right. defense stuff or government stuff and in this case they're just like no it's, it's unidentified unidentified object well and knowing by the way full well what the public will make of that right, right. so right. here's here's what i know here's here and this is as thriller authors here's what we know <laughs> when the government tells you something you can almost always bet there's something else going on so the fact that the government's willing to release this implies that there's a story that they that they probably know full well that that uh, underlies all of this. Like, I, and I think not just a story, but a story that's probably better and almost more yeah. impossible to believe than yeah. the one that they're telling us. Um, because UFOs is, is pretty incredible, but the fact that they've always taken the stance of, well, it's it's not what you think it is, which is aliens or just something we don't know about. It's, we know about it and it's fine. Yep. Nothing to see here. Um, it's boring, you know? And so th- the fact that they're, they're coming out saying, you know, Hey, this is something we don't, we don't know. Yeah. means they really, really don't want us to know what it is. Right. You're right. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it's all, it's all about, uh, uh, stripes and zebras, right? You're, yes. You're, you know, the stripes confuse the lion. We don't, we don't know uh, how many zebras there actually are. So we're not seeing the actual full story. We're, we're being mesmerized by the, uh, the admission. So what's interesting, though, is over the decades, I mean, we've had astronauts in, in uh, actual bona fide NASA astronauts who have um, given testimony that they've seen UFOs while in orbit, that they've seen strange things. Uh, there, you know, we've had over past century aircraft military aircraft that you know had things like a ufo formation uh comes and flies alongside them briefly and then just changes direction in an instant and disappears but consider what that means though like if you've got a, a craft that can be in our atmosphere that can just on an in an instant change direction with no stop just it's moving at 150 miles per hour north, and then in the next instant, it's moving at the same exact speed south, right? I think it means that whatever um, whatever human or you know biological creature inside uh, must have some pretty good brain box protection, um, because that kind of a momentum shift and and, and you know acceleration deceleration is uh, unless known to have some concussive effects on on people. <laughs> right, unless they don't, uh, what something about the craft itself prevents that. Like, if they've got some sort of full control over gravity, as an example, like you know they they have sure. mastered gravity, gravity, the force of gravity, and they they 
in within that spacecraft, there's no inertia, no you know, no momentum. Uh, as far as they're concerned, are sitting still in a in a uh, in a room, and yeah. the spacecraft itself can move in any direction at any time at any speed, and they never feel the effects of it. You know, so. right? Yeah, I mean, I could see that being. Um, there's there's a thousand possibilities, and of course now I'm immediately jumping to how do I how do I make this into a, a fiction book? You know, and in, and it's what's really cool about this kind of stuff, and this is why I write the the genre that we write. Um, but for me, it's not. It's not explaining all this away as saying, well, it's aliens and, and they've got, you know, magic. It's it's yeah. being able to figure out how this works using science and, and technology, either classical physics or theoretical physics that we do know now and understand. Right. Um, so trying to figure out the answer to that inertia problem, trying to figure out the answer to the gravity problem without it being something just, well, you know, it's a little tiny black hole inside because that doesn't make sense. Right. That there's just some things that are too far, too far out of the realm of possibility in today's world. Um, yeah. Not that it, that can't exist in sci-fi. Uh, it certainly can and does. But I love taking it and trying to somehow make it make sense. Like, for example, um, you know, saying, well, it's not actually going, you know, a hard 90 degree angle. It's actually, you know, the, the trick of the light and the, the maybe what is it, the Borealis effect in the atmosphere. I don't know if that's the right, yeah. right term, yeah. whatever. Um, Coriolis effect, I think is what I'm trying to go for. Something like that, but just the, the the way the light bends and it makes it look like it's moving and stopping and going a different direction. But yep. stuff like that, that I could say, you know, in, in a book, like, oh, okay, that makes more sense using technology we have now, um, military or otherwise, that, okay, it's still a cool UFO, um, but there's still humans inside. And then, no, they're not stopping immediately and turning sideways. They're, it's it's tricks that they're playing and they, yeah. they've studied how to, how to make that look real. And anyway, I just well, think that's and, nifty. You know, a tenet of science is that, well, a tenet of strategy on it really is that if you want to, the best method for avoiding a problem is to not be there, right? So it's entirely possible that what we're interacting with is some sort of remote uh, craft that doesn't have to worry about inertia because there's nothing inside of it, uh, no one inside of it to be shaken up like a yolk inside an egg. I mean, there there could be just nothing in there. But what about and, some kind uh, of advanced hologram technology? You know, that, so that there's nothing at all there. There you now you've dipped into a realm, and I was going and I literally was about to bring this up, but the there is an idea uh, floating around out there. Elon Musk actually uh, is a subscriber to this idea, along with a lot of the, the uh, you know engineering and science community, that what we are actually living in is a computer simulation, mm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and if you think about it, like, you know, in in that scenario, there could be glitches and God modes and, you know, uh, things like that. I mean, what if we're all we're seeing is a cursor, uh, <laughs> you know, God's cursor uh, following aircraft or, or something. But um, the idea that we could be living in a simulation uh, means that something the laws of physics as we know them are are simply coded in right. and you know someone clever enough or someone with high enough authority and access could uh circumvent those rules so if you think about it in terms of like if i'm playing a video game like like world of warcraft or something one of these big immersive you know uh worlds uh there's a system of rules that apply to the creatures the characters living in that world but if I am a, uh, but I as a creator or programmer of that, I'm not subject to those rules. Right. I might interact 
under those rules if I were to visit that world as an avatar, you know. But I don't right. have to pay uh, pay attention to those rules. I can change the rules so that I can teleport anywhere at a whim or, you know, fly in any direction I want or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, now you get into the plot of uh, Ready Player One or yeah. uh, even more accurate, Wreck-It Ralph One and Two. Which I have not seen Wreck-It Ralph. It's good. Know. I mean, it's, it's the same concept, right? It's, it's all takes yeah. place in a video, not all, but it takes place in a video game and one of the video games um, there's like essentially an AI and he figures out how to code his, his himself out of the game and into another game so he could be victorious all the time. And it's sort of the same idea, right? He's, yeah. he's just building, he's able to, he found the Easter egg that lets him, you know, have kind of super, super user access to the, to the yes. game. Yeah. Yeah. You know? so, so that's, yeah. That, that keeps what's coming up that, that idea. So I have this theory, by the way, um, that fiction reflects some sort of undercurrent of, like general universal knowledge, right? So there's a, there's that idea of zeitgeist, you know, where suddenly, you know, uh, half a dozen people invent the telephone, for example, or half a dozen people invent a method of, um, you know, storing and transferring electricity long range. You know, all these, uh, a lot of our, uh, throughout time, there's been circumstance after circumstance of certain technologies emerging in disparate uh, environments. So that's why you'll have situations where there's a question about who actually invented, you know, for example, television. Yeah. You know, we, we think we know who invented it, but it turns out that at the exact moment, completely separate from each other with no crosstalk or communication, three different people filed patents within a week of each other in different parts of the world. Um, And so I, I think in my, so I feel like certain concepts that come up suddenly become the zeitgeist of the moment in like fiction. I think it's a hint that there's something, there's some undercurrent of knowledge that we've gained access to maybe not consciously, but suddenly Hmm. we have this idea and the, this idea of living in a simulation has suddenly become popular in fiction. Like you're seeing film and TV and, you know, uh, uh, lit RPG novels and things like that. All this stuff is cropping up all of a sudden. And uh, so I think there's some, there's something there. So tying that back into the UFO sighting and confirmation, that's one possible explanation. We kind of went a little, little off the rails there, but, but that's it's that's the point is that's yeah. all related and there's something happening there's some kind of undercurrent here and mm-hmm. something we don't understand and don't quite uh, can't fully grasp either because we don't have all the fact well we don't have all the facts but but mostly because we don't quite understand the rules yet right right and that's right. what the, we get into the theoretical physics and here's another example of how we don't quite understand the rules. If you want uh, to segue a little bit, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get this segued as, as cleanly and smoothly Let's. as possible. So you won't even know that I'm segueing until I drop the bomb uh, that is to come. But uh, I'm, I'm going to read the uh, I'm going to read the, the top of this article from the Smithsonian Magazine um, okay. in the low in the lowland tropics of northern Colombia, 60 miles from the Caribbean coast. Cerrajón is an empty, forbidding, seemingly endless horizon of dusty outback stripped of vegetation and crisscrossed with dirt roads that lead to enormous pits 15 miles in circumference. 
It's one of the world's largest coal operations, covering an area larger than Washington, D.C. and employing some 10,000 workers. Do you know what they found in one of these mines, Mr. Tomlinson? Hmm. Hmm. In a coal mine? mine? In a coal mine deep in the heart of Colombia. Uh, deep in the heart of Colombia? Uh, I'm going to say a... I'm going to say a meteorite made okay. mostly Close. of gold. Close. <laughs> in that you're not really close at all, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they they actually – so one of, these are some really important uh, fossil deposits down here. Yeah. Um, because they, they're kind of a snapshot to a, to a, a previous world, right? So um, in this particular instance, um, one of these – the deeper parts of these mines, it's sort of like a – a vision of the past, right when the dinosaurs had just disappeared. Um, so Cedarhon is probably the, this is a quote, probably the best and probably the only window on a complete ancient tropical ecosystem anywhere in the world, uh, which already is really cool, right? So this, they basically, they, they popped open this mine and they're digging down and they all of a sudden stumbled onto, I mean, fossilized um, plants, animals, uh, the entire uh, troposphere, you know, the ecosystem is just everything. It's, it's all there. Um, and one of the things they found, this is 58 million years ago, right? So right after the dinosaurs, if, if we think the dinosaurs are done, 65 million, mm-hmm. is only just a few million years. It's like a, 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 a snapping of a finger. Um, so this is exactly what you might think of a swampy jungle. This is very similar to what we currently have in the Amazon basin, um, temperature-wise and um, the, the kind of overall humidity feel of it. Um, huge trees, giant rivers, all that kind of stuff. And we found this all kind of preserved underneath um, the the surface of the earth in this mine. And one of the things that they discovered, which isn't terribly surprising, is that there are very large animals back then. Um, they found, for example, turtles with shells twice the size of manhole covers, so probably roughly twice the size of uh, the Galapagos tortoise, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, huge crocodiles, three, di- three different species, each more than a dozen feet long. Um, seven foot long lungfish and i'm not sure what a normal lungfish is probably maybe the size of a human lung i don't know um but these were seven feet long yeah um and so you know it here's the deal though the biggest one they found or the most surprising one they found is called the titanoboa 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 and uh titanoboa and if you uh if you want to imagine what this thing looks like imagine a snake that's 40 feet long and weighs more than a ton. Wow. Um, it's, a, it's a serpent that would look similar to a modern-day boa constrictor, but probably behaved, we assume, uh, more like today's uh, anaconda. And the reason for that, I've actually, when I wrote the Amazon code, um, I wanted to feature uh, a big old lady anaconda in, in the book as sort of um, the, the, the glory of the Amazon rainforest. Um, and you know, don't watch the movie Anaconda because that's not accurate uh, of how these these creatures um, live and operate and hunt. Um, so yes, they'll, they'll they'll grab a small child and you know all that off the off the shores sometimes, but typically they're not that big. Um, but the Titanoboa we would we would be seen as probably like bite sized snacks for this thing. Um, it was the largest snake ever ever found. Um, and the, here's the important part. Here's why I think it's really cool. Um, the fact of its mere existence has big implications for how we understand the history of life on Earth. Yeah. Um, and, and where we're going. They even say, like, we can kind of predict the future in some ways by 
understanding, you know, some of these creatures in the past. So anyway, they, uh, this is from the Smithsonian and this is a legit thing. They, um, they've commissioned a sculptor. This sounds like the coolest job in the world. Um, this guy named Kevin Hockley, they said, Hey, would you create a giant full-size replica of the Titan Oboa for us? And he was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll make a snake and make some money doing it. This thing is absolutely massive. I need to send you the picture of this. Um, this is the replica of, of what they found essentially. And of course they've got it all coiled up. So it's, um, so it looks, you know, even more terrifying than it normally should. But, um, I, I just can't imagine you're walking around the, the, the jungle and, I don't even, I mean, obviously you would hear it coming because it's, it's making trees and stuff, I, I guess, but I'm looking yeah, at the article now. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's terrifying. This thing is terrifying. <laughs> uh, That's pretty much all we need to say about it, right? Just, this it is, is it really is. I, I, I have a thing about snakes anyway, uh, <laughs> a, a sort of weird, like fascination slash horror comes over me when I see snakes and, uh, uh, you know, that's a visceral reaction. That's programmed into our DNA, by the way. Which, so, this, I mean, opens... Okay. It turns out... So, from the lens of the archaeological thriller writer, uh, throughout history, in in just about every culture, every major culture for sure, there are certain symbolic things that just come up over and over again. Okay? The Great Flood is in every single culture, even disparate cultures that have nothing at all to do with each other. Um, there's the symbology of a tree in a pretty, practically every culture has some sort of significance. The, uh, the dying and rising God uh, has been a repeating theme. But the snake, the serpent, is another one that shows up in practically every mythology, every faith um, that has ever existed on Earth. And it's always... Um, something that's tied to the creation of man and man's fall from grace or man's exile from uh, paradise or exile from one of the other nine realms or something like that. There's a, there's always that story in every culture. Um, And there are great hints that what we think of as being the upper limit of man, of the age of man on earth is, uh, may not be anywhere close to how um, how far back our history goes. So knowing that there's something like this giant 40-foot boa uh, <laughs> buried under, you know, uh, several, like a billion plus years of regolith and other uh, material means, uh, to me, says that there may be something underlying all those mythologies. I mean, because... If you think about it as a as an early human if you encountered this giant effing snake that could swallow you <laughs> in a bite uh that's gonna that's gonna inform some mythology my friend that's gonna be that's gonna stick around for a few thousand years of you're gonna talk about that around the campfire <laughs> yeah yeah well, remember like, when Uncle Dan wandered into the woods and a giant <laughs> maw appeared that he thought was a cave oh anybody remember <laughs> Uncle Dan I remember there, there used to be an Uncle Dan here, uh, and now there's just this really full snake. We yeah. don't talk of Uncle Dan, but here's this tooth that's the size of a human body. <clears throat> so um, yeah, man. I mean, I think there's a there's something to be said about um, <laughs> we we got to it pretty early, you know, in the in the the Bible here in Christianity world, um, you know, where God was like, hey. Um, cool so we've got these two people and here's how you guys were oh, hey, before we do anything else guys let's talk about snakes 
yeah <laughs> like before we get so, to the good stuff down 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 the road and you know the, the, this does get better but let's we're, just we're let's gonna just get to the bus here you know really quick man's origin <laughs> and uh you know surviving great floods and all that but cautionary tale uh there's this giant snake now in the Don't bible the story uh the snake <laughs> began with uh they, they there was an implication at least that this that snakes originally had legs and that right. as part of their curse for for uh, tempting humanity uh, that they were that those legs were removed and they were forced to have to crawl uh, on their on the bellies, bellies yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. that there's all kinds of implications in that as well. If you if you sort of start now thinking in terms of you know early reptiles, we have lots of reptiles that are very snake like that have right. legs. So you know in terms of like an evolution. Um, there could be something to that. So this, this, sure, sure. this kind of thing is always fascinating. This opens up so many doors, and we could go on for a very long time <laughs> talking. We could. We, and the implications you know, so of this stuff. The, the reason it was on my mind is I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a, a, a I don't know what to say friend I don't really know him in person but mutual acquaintance Greg Beck yeah. uh, or Greg Beck. Um, yeah. He's a pretty well known known thriller author. Um, does some creature feature stuff. And one of the books that, or the series that he's read, that he's written that I have read, um, highly recommended, super good, fantastic. It's called Primordia, uh, mm-hmm. in search of the lost world. And um, just to give you kind of a, a brief overview, real quick, um, this is essentially um, the 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 main character Ben Cartwright, um, who's a soldier, but then he um, stumbles upon some letters from uh, Arthur Conan Doyle and his great great grandfather, who yeah. vanished while exploring the Amazon. So. The, the letters from Arthur Conan Doyle, I believe, I was doing some research, I think those are real. Uh, and then he fictionalized the person he was writing them to and, and made Ben Cartwright the modern day descendant. And so anyway, um, Ben finds these letters and he says, you know what, I, my dad just died. I'm here to mourn the loss and I kind of need some some alone time. I'm going to go and follow what these letters say. Um, and so it's, he creates this amazing, uh, cool tale um, where there's, um, I believe it's a comet that comes over every 10 years on the dot. And there's a, um, oh, I forget what they're called. It's essentially a raised plateau, like a mesa type thing in, mm-hmm. in the, 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 the rainforest down in, in, in the, I think it's in the Amazon. And it's super, super tall. And so it's, it's close enough to this where this comet passes over that it creates some kind of weird time shift wormhole to, sort of situation where if you're there for 24 hours or if you're there during this 24-hour period, um, you will be sent back into... Um, the the primordial time, you know, like back when yeah. the Titanoboa existed, just in this little plateau. And so, um, and then if you don't get off of the the mesa by the time the comet passes, the next twenty the twenty four hour period, then you're stuck there for ten years. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, <laughs> he gets stuck there for ten years, right? Um, and so, uh, I may have just given away the ending. You but, just oh well, spoiled um, the whole thing. <laughs> just spoiled the whole thing. Um, it's still really good though because it's not about that as much as it's about you know, just the creature feature, staying alive in, uh, in the presence of this gigantic, ridiculous snake uh, yeah. that we th- we now know actually existed. We, we've got the skeleton to prove it. Um, anyway, so I just kind of a shout out there. If you if you want to check that out, I'll drop it in the show notes. Uh, fantastic book, really well done, and it's actually a series. So I may have I may have ruined the ending of the first one, but there's two more to go, and uh, and they're all great. So that, that can be the next week when we write that in the uh the next great find would be the ridiculoso boa. Ooh, it'd be even bigger. It used to swallow Titanoboa's whole. 
Exactly. Like that Dinoboa is just like it's, it's <laughs> freshly hatched spawn. Yes. But, yeah. And the way they Turns find out the Titanoboa wasn't even fully grown. It was just yeah, a that baby. Yeah, that was just a baby. One Ridiculaboa. of many. Ridiculaboa. <laughs> Ridiculaboa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yes, that is that's a good story. That's, that's one that's going to stick with me uh, in the evenings, <laughs> late into the evenings. Uh, as yes. I was walking across the lawn, uh, you know, I help out my father-in-law lawn here, and uh, he had pr been pressure washing. And so I'm, I, I take the dog out, and I'm walking across the grass, and suddenly there is this enormous snake. Oh, jeez. And uh, I, I jump, and I, you know, I kind of uh, yank her leash and get her back. And then, of course, it turned out to be the garden hose. <laughs> was it a titan of boa or well, a not a titan of boa or a ridiculo boa but, there's still uh, time to find those though very the, close in, though in the real there is an alligator in the uh community pond over where we're oh. near where we're staying a very I, I i was gonna say a very large one it's like five foot long but no it's it's nothing that's nothing but the, the titan alligator eats those for for breakfast. That that is not that's not an that is not a record-setting uh, alligator by any stretch, especially in this part of the world. But it is in it's a about community. five more feet of alligator than I want to see. Yeah, that's that's more alligator than you want near <laughs> like your dogs and cats and small children. So, yes, yes, yeah. especially with the aptly named Minnie being yes, uh, your dog who would be a mere morsel uh, <laughs> bites for this thing. <laughs> Like it would, she wouldn't even slow him down long enough for me to escape. No, that's, no, no, no. He'd the... be like, I'm going to swallow this while I bite your leg. <laughs> Indeed. That's All right, very man. cool. Well, so let's, before we wrap up, I know we're, we're going to wrap up, but um, uh, the thing about that story that I like a lot is not just the creepy snake thing that's going to haunt my nightmares for the next several weeks, but the that I love that we were able to bring that back around to uh, the sort of uh, common mythology thing, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. There's a lot, so much of that out there. We should one day we should just do like a show. I'd love to hear if people like this idea, but the whole comparative mythology thing that's a that's something very fascinating to me. I, I think we could probably do several episodes on on that idea alone. Just find you know, modern stories that, that can hint at uh, comparative mythology. I'm obsessed with it. That's it. Practically every book I write eventually brings comparative mythology into the mix. So. We shall. <laughs> I mean, right. it's, there's something to it, man. And yeah, I think there's, there, that's what it, it is really cool to me. It is really cool to, to kind of explore some of these things that, you know, we, we got, we think we got it all figured out I and mean, that's really what it is, right? Humanity is yeah. always constantly, we we got it. We figured this out. We know yep. it. And then something and like then this come happens. Along you find a UFO or a pyramid UFOs. Like, yeah. <laughs> Holy crap! This is like, oh, we, we did know not expect nothing. this. We know, we know nothing. nothing. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? Well, um, we hope that you know something uh, that you didn't know about thirty minutes prior, um, and uh, we hope that your nightmares um, <laughs> that your that your dreams are, are terrorized by titanoboas and UFOs, um, as as ours will be this evening. So we can all uh, suffer in kind. Um, but this has been another episode of Stuff That's Real that you didn't know was real, but also is cool. And uh, we are your gracious and loving hosts, of course. If you do want to reach out to us, as Kevin mentioned, um, you can do that by visiting the website StuffThat'sReal.com or sending us an email directly at hello at StuffThat'sReal.com. 
um, I just tested the email address. It does not bounce back, although I do not know where it goes. So that is your warning. Send us an email at your peril, and, and we may or may not ever see it. A um, <laughs> giant snake and a UFO will answer at its leisure. At its leisure. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we All hope right. you've, you've enjoyed this, and we will be here next week. We're right on schedule for you. Uh, talk to you soon, and uh, take care. Take care, buddy. Stuff that's real. Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com slash str.